The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot accept because it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him, because he remains in you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live and you will live. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me. And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Last night as I was uh, at St. Anne, kind of getting a few more things wrapped up, somebody came by and looked and with a, a bit of shine of joy in their eyes said, Father, it feels like Christmas Eve. <laughs> and it's true. At least I, I experienced that myself yesterday. I don't know about you, but just the joy of that anticipation that we all have on Christmas Eve of tomorrow the Savior comes. And indeed, for us here to know that today the Lord is born for us. A Savior has given us. And that joy of that first Christmas, I pray, is very much the joy that arises in our hearts today. Two thousand years ago, a baby swaddled in cloth. Today is the Eucharist placed upon the altar cloth. And yet, the same person... Christ our Savior, a cause for great joy. And our readings today echo this cause of joy. Our verse reading responds and acknowledges how, as the apostles went out, entire cities were filled with joy and gladness at the works that were being done. The disciples bring awe to many hearts. Of course, our psalm, cry out to God with joy. St. Peter inviting us to be able to be willing and able to give a reason to anyone who asks of us for our hope. What is our hope? Christ. And this is indeed our supreme joy, knowing Christ and being known by him. In the gospel today, as he comes and he speaks to the disciples and he also speaks to us and reminds us, I will not leave you orphans. I am with you. I am with you. Our Lord is always mindful of us. He's mindful of our needs. As we come today, obviously, some things are a little different here in church, huh? I'm not used to seeing so many people in masks. If you told me six months ago everybody would come to church masked, I'd be a little freaked out and confused. And yet today I rejoice. 
with all the tape and all this uh, roping off certain pews with social distancing and the six, to six, six foot thing and signing in to be able to come in and mass this morning and all the other things that are happening, every single one of us is keenly aware of our physical reality. We've been hearing about it, and I don't know about y'all, but probably over freaking out about it for two months now. Every time I would cough, I'd be like, is that it? Do I have it? I can't tell you how many times I was sitting in the house and I was like, man, I think I got a temperature. And then I realized that the AC wasn't on. It was 74 degrees in the house and it was just warm, right? We are keenly aware of our physical state right now. Everything that happens, whether in us or in somebody around us, we are aware. But the question I have for you is how is your soul? Because we're mindful of the body. How is the health of your soul? The last couple of months have been difficult in many, many ways. Inconveniences at best, severe loss at worst. It's been tough. One of the things that I know that has been tough for very many in our community, and it's certainly been tough for me as well, is not having our weekly and even daily celebration of Mass in the sacraments. And not that I wish suffering upon you, but I hope the last two months have been difficult for you. I hope that not having this community, not having this place of worship, this time of worship, not having the gift of the Eucharist, I hope that's been difficult for you. Because if it's, if it's been easy for you, we've missed the mark. We've missed the good news of the gospel. It should be a challenge for us to go without these things. Because they are the foundation that everything else rests upon. Now again, I recognize and I pray that you've been making good spiritual communions frequently. This is one of the things also that I spoke about to anybody who listened in the, uh, the little the Holy Week mini, mini Lenten mission that I gave. Um, the first night, I spoke about the reality of the Mass and how every single Mass, the priest is called to be able to come and to bring all the intentions of his people with him. Before the Mass, even still, there's a little prayer that I continue to pray to bring all of my intentions to the altar, in general and in particular. So when people say something, Father, pray for a particular thing, but also to pray in general, to gather the whole community. A reminder also was given that every single Sunday, a pastor is obligated by church law to offer at least one Mass on his Sunday schedule for the entire community around him. So every single one of you, and everybody that's not here, everybody that's out in the parking lot listening on the radio, Every last one of you have been being brought every single day to the altar of God these last two months. And this is a cause for joy. One of the saddest parts of the, the liturgies uh, in the last couple of months that have been uh, all in private is the reality that we missed the holiest week of the year. We miss the Triduum. We miss the great Easter Vigil. 
To be able to come into the church on the Easter Vigil was a great joy, but also a sadness. But a sadness filled with hope at this moment that's taking place here and now. On Easter Saturday, or the, the Saturday before Easter Sunday at the Vigil, I processed into the church with the candle lit, singing the candle's praises. And then as is the proper ritual, the priest brings the candle, places it in the candle holder, and then sings a hymn to the candle. It's the strangest of things, really. I mean, we're, singing a, we're singing a hymn to the Lord, but the entire emphasis of the hymn is about the piece of wax that has been formed and is on fire next to the priest. And we have what is probably a six-page song about it. It's one of those moments where I love to flaunt our Catholic weirdness. (laughs) We sing a hymn to a candle. But the candle is no ordinary candle. It's the candle that represents Christ himself. He who comes into the darkness of the church. And even though a single light begins to spread that light. And cast out the darkness. The candle of course is the reminder to us of the Old Testament. Of the people in the Exodus. The pillar of fire. The pillar of cloud during the day. The pillar that is the candle. That is God leading us into heavenly glory. And so we sing. We rejoice in the gift of the candle. Because we rejoice in Christ. But in the midst of that hymn, there's the strangest of things that we do. There's a line that says, oh, happy fault. Oh, happy fault. And you might think, it's just a nice line in the song. But the reality is, is they're referring to the reality of the sin of Adam and Eve. And we say, oh, happy fault. Oh, happy sin. Thank you, Lord, for that sin. Does that sound like a thing we should normally do? Normally when we sin, we go go to this little room called the confessional. And we say, Lord, I'm sorry, I I shouldn't have done that, right? And we ask for mercy. But no, on the the Saturday at the Easter Vigil, we sing, Oh, happy fault. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the blessing of that fault of Adam and Eve and for their sins that brought us into sin. Because it won for us a Redeemer. It won for us a Savior. And the simple fact is that our state today is better than the state of Adam and Eve before the fall. Because we have the grace of Jesus Christ. Because we have the sacraments. This is the, uh, the, the, the teaching of the church from the beginning. That we are better off today than Adam and Eve, Eve were before they even sinned. We are at a better state, a higher state, because of the fault that of Adam and Eve, our first parents. Oh, happy fault. And don't call me crazy, but I would suggest to you, oh, happy coronavirus. Because it is one for us, an opportunity to recognize what we have here. The gift that we possess in the Christian community, a gathering of brothers and sisters in Christ, the gift we have of being able to worship the one true God, to be in relationship with God himself, the creator of all things, and he wants to be connected to us. 
And he calls us to come here and to receive the Eucharist. To receive the bread of life, the flesh of God, that which angels long to receive, but they can't because they have no body. But we can because we are flesh and blood. Oh, happy fault. I don't rejoice in the sickness. I don't rejoice in the death. I don't rejoice in what it has cost millions upon millions of people. Billions, really. I don't rejoice in any of the sorrow, the suffering that has taken place. But I rejoice that Jesus Christ is stronger than all of these things. I rejoice that Jesus Christ can take what is sorrowful and even bring something great from it. That he can take a cross covered with the blood of God himself and make it the instrument of our salvation to ransom us for heaven. And if he can do that with a tree, what more can he do with us? No happy fault. Instead, over the last two months, I've offered Mass every single day for you and for your intentions, for your needs. One of the things that I have tried to appreciate for myself is the gift of the Mass. I know I've grown in my appreciation of it. As a priest, it's very easy, as you noticed today, to come in and to be busy about so many things. To make sure this gets there, this gets there, that goes in this spot, that this thing is ready, that that book is ready, that this book is ready. That all this stuff is going on, all this kind of things. Even at daily mass, there is much to be able to do. And even after mass, there are many other things awaiting. And the thing that I appreciated, especially during this past two months of celebrating mass each day, is that I didn't have to worry about trying to prepare the homily and make sure that, that it was just right. I didn't have to try to prepare all the extra pieces and parts. I didn't have to write and make sure that the, the rows were taped off and everybody was signed in and everybody had this, that, and the other. I didn't have to worry about all the other things that I normally have to be consumed with as a priest preparing to celebrate the liturgy. I was simply able to come and to pray and to be able to pray for you to pray with you. It was a blessing to be able to spend a bit more time prior to Mass preparing my heart to be able to rest in silence rather than to be frantic about so many things and also to be able to stop at the end and to pause and rejoice in the gift that I had just received. And this is what I would hope for you. And what I would propose to you as a fruit of this time away. A lot of us want to get back to normal. I've heard that so many times. And I for myself have said it. To get back to normal. But I would propose to you in light of what God did for us. In giving us a savior. Giving us a redeemer. To be able to become even better than we were before with Adam and Eve. I would encourage you to seek to do the same here with the celebration of Mass. Not to simply come back and to do as you normally would do. But to seek for us all to do it better. Starting with me. (laughs) I'm talking to myself today. Y'all are getting the extras. To be able to come and to pray. 
And I know I already botched it one time. I, I spent extra time in prayer this morning before the first Mass started, so maybe my running around before this one didn't, didn't do so much harm as it normally would have done for me. But I would encourage you to try to spend a few extra moments before and after Mass. I know we've got the rosary that we're praying before Mass, thanks be to God. So certainly we've got a, you know, something to come and to join in and to pray. But to come at least a few minutes early and to quiet your heart. Because indeed this is one of the best ways for us to prepare for Mass. Because every single one of us knows we have many things upon our mind. And the best place to, to bring them before Mass is to this man who's on the cross. To come here and to sit even for just a couple of minutes and just breathe. To give Jesus Christ our stuff. To give him our day, our week, for this mass, our two months. To give him everything we have. To place it at his feet and ask us and ask him to help us to pray well at this mass. Lord, just help us to pray well. And I would encourage you at the end of Mass to do the same. To spend another couple of minutes at the end of Mass. I know oftentimes we're very quick to, to try to get out, but right now, God be praised, we've got a social distance, so everybody can't cram up at the door. So you've got to space yourself out. So there's going to be a little time for you all to get out the door, right? So rather than all just kind of standing there waiting for the person in front of you to get ahead and, and get rolling... Stay in the pew for a minute. Offer gratitude to the Lord. Thank Him for the gift that you have received. Thank Him for the blessings that you have given. Continue to bring them the sorrows that you have in your heart. Just to be grateful for this gift that we have received. And I'm going to be doing that myself. Rather than immediately jetting out the back door myself to start... Uh, we can't, we can't, uh, we can't shake hands and give high fives right now, but, um, normally I would proceed out the, the back of the church, um, to be able to greet everybody at the door as you're, as you're flooding out. Um, but I'm going to start, we'll do the, the, the normal St. Michael prayers and the other prayers of intercession at the end of mass as we would at daily masses. And then I'll proceed back to the sacristy divest. I'll pray my own little, uh, Thanksgiving prayer to the Lord for the blessings he has given to me for the Mass. And I invite you to do the same. Uh, and then I'll wrap around to the front and I'll be able to, to tell hello to everybody. Uh, to be able to ask, answer, answer any questions, bless any things, all the normal stuff that you would have. Um, it'll just be with an extra minute's pause. Um, I hope that's okay with you. I know it's what I need. Because I need to pray more and I need to pray better. And I think all of us indeed do, for the good of our soul. And so, as we come in this first Mass, returning from the long exile, our more than 40 days wandering in the desert, we're called to give a reason for our hope. And the reason is Jesus Christ. He is the cause of our joy. He is the fullness of our heart. Let us rejoice in the gift that we have today full of joy, full of hope, to be able to go share that good news with all the world.